Well, hello, Mountain. 96, 97, 98, 99, um, Gene, yes. Gene, um, man, we're getting ready to start the message here. Uh, what are you doing out here and why are you dressed like this? Oh, you didn't hear about the whole life challenge? Man, I got my, my weight vest on, my gloves, my rope. I know it doesn't start until May 20th, but I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, tell me about this thing. Isn't it, I mean, it seems like it's just another one of those 30-day fitness challenges, and I'm just going to fall back into my same old routine afterwards. Well, this one's a little different. A lot of times when we start working out, we're just concentrating on exercising or maybe eating healthy. But the whole life challenge really is about your entire health. So it's going to help us with eating, sleeping, drinking, exercising, stretching, changing your lifestyle habits, and even leaves time for reflection. Wow, well, honestly, that seems like a whole lot of work. Oh, nah, not at all. You'll be good to go. It's going to be good. You're sure? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, tell me, uh, how do I get signed up for this thing? So the important thing with getting signed up, uh, first you want to go to mountaincc.org slash series. Uh, when you go to our website and click on the Whole Life Challenge from there, you'll get a price of $26. Now, if you go to Whole Life first, you're going to see 49 almost double. So you want to make sure you go to mountaincc.org slash series first. All right. Go to our website, not to the Whole Life Challenge. All right. Good. Got it. Now, um, I like to have motivation. If I'm going to get through this, I'm going to have to, I don't know, have some accountability or compete against somebody or... Is there an opportunity to do that? Oh, yeah. So that's one of the cool things about it. When you sign up, you want to sign up with the campus that you regularly attend. Oh. So my boy Nathan is over on the Bel Air squad. My homegirl Ramona is holding it down for the Edgewood team. But I'm letting all of them know right now. Mountain Road Campus, Team 1, locking it down. All right. Well, I knew Nathan's team didn't have a chance. Oh, yeah. He, he's anyway. Done. He's done. He's done. Um, all right. So, I mean, $26 is a great deal, but I might need a little help to cover that cost. Is there any option for me? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. So if that's something that is troubling you, that's, we definitely don't want that to hinder you from joining. So just send an email to everybodymatters at mountaincc.org, and then someone will contact you and help you get that figured out. All right. Well, it sounds like you got it all covered. Oh, yeah. well, thanks for the, all that info. Um, Gene, um, you're really inspiring us here, but maybe we can finish the workout backstage. Hey, man, I can get it going. I, mean, I know, but uh, it's probably better back there. Uh, all right. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's try this again. Hello, Mountain. We want to have a shout out to the Edgewood campus and those who are joining us online. Uh, and also a huge shout out to our friends over at the Bel Air campus that, that are enjoying and celebrating their grand opening today at the Arena Club. So huge shout out. Let them hear us from, there, from here to there. Uh, great turnout first service uh, for that uh, campus. And we're, we're really excited about that new location. Uh, we're in this series called Everybody Matters, and there's a book by that same name written by a guy named Gary Thomas. We have several of these out at the Resource Center if you'd like to grab one. Uh, this series is already just doing a number on us, uh, so we've got resources. We want to just journey through this together, and today we're going to take a look at how sleep impacts our bodies and our souls. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure whether I should be honored to share this message with you or a little troubled. I mean, what would you think if somebody came up to you and said, 
Rob, we really think your preaching would help people sleep. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't meant the way it sounded, but uh, we'll go with it. Now, uh, this has been a deeply convicting series, and uh, so we've gotten a lot of uh, email, a lot of conversations, a lot of people asking questions, even some pushback, uh, wondering why we're focusing an entire message series on whole body health. And what in the world does that have to do with our souls and our spiritual life? Uh, The truth is, your body either hinders or helps your soul. You know, just wrestle with that for a while. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 that we're not just souls. We are embodied souls. And our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. My body is a temple. And it's a place for meeting and spending time with God. In some mysterious way, God inhabits us through these bodies, making them a place where we can meet and know him. So your body is not your own, and mistreating it is acting selfishly before God. And this series, as I mentioned, has been convicting for us, uh, but don't let it be a guilt thing. Let it be a spiritual issue between you and God. We also need to note that Um, you're only called to steward your own body. Uh, This is not a chance to, you know, steward somebody else's body and how they're caring for it. This is between you and God. You leave uh, their choices between them and God. Only God knows if, if we are honoring him daily with our choices regarding our body. Caring for your body, friends, can be a spiritual pursuit. It can be part of your worship. It can be a new way of surrendering to God's ongoing presence in your life if we submit our bodies to him. Paul wrote to Timothy about how we live our lives in these bodies. And he said, those who cleanse themselves from the latter, that is using our bodies for common use, will be instruments for special purposes. God's gonna use our bodies, use us, our, our lives through our bodies for special things. We're going to be useful to him and prepared to do any good work. God wants to use these bodies. That's why he created us and shaped us. Romans 12 tells us that these bodies, in view of God's mercy, we're to offer them as living sacrifices to God. It's our spiritual act of worship to do that. And that's our a way that we're going to not conform. This world either glorifies bodies and worships them, or it's just dismissive or mistreating to bodies. And we don't want to follow the pattern of this world, but instead, our minds are going to be transformed. And science even tells us that if we do this work to care for our bodies and offer them fully to, to God, our brains are actually going to be physically transformed as a result so we can more fully understand and act on God's will for our lives. And we know all this from Scripture, but we also know it from just living our lives, don't we? That our bodies and our souls are inseparably linked. When I'm not well-rested, you know what? I am less open to the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in my life. And I bet the same is true of you. I'm less patient, I'm less kind, and there is no peace in me or with anybody around me if I have not slept well. Is that true for you? Christians who don't take their bodies seriously don't take their souls seriously. And God longs for us to know that every body does matter. 
And when we eat well, when we sleep well and exercise and stimulate our minds, then the synergy with our souls allows God to work more fully through our bodies that he shaped for his use and his glory. Paul writes again, each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. And then finally, Paul's definitive statement to the Corinthians where he says, honor God with your bodies. The bottom line is we cannot be faithful believers and ignore our bodies. So what is the state of your body these days? Have you been caring for it? Or have you been ignoring it? Or maybe even mistreating it? Our souls yearn for intimacy with God, and our souls reside in bodies that can either hinder or help this pursuit. So we need to ask ourselves the question, which is it going to be for us? Ruth Barton writes that there are two kinds of tired that we experience. One of those kinds of tired is a good tired. A good tired is the tiredness we experience after a job well done that's done from the very best of who we are, and we experience a good tired. But another kind of tiredness is more ominous for us. It's dangerously tired. Dangerously tired is this volatile state of soul that raises the risk of great destruction in our lives. It's this chronic inner fatigue that accumulates over months. So I want to ask you, where do you fall in this dangerously tired continuum? Would you say that you're fully energized and refreshed right now? Maybe experiencing a good tired from all that God has done in you and through you this week? Are you drifting towards dangerously tired? Or would you say you're already there? Wherever you are on this continuum, the question is, what are you and God going to do about it? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Sleep and rest are very important to our bodies and our souls. Hear these words from God through the prophet Isaiah where he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. And it's as if he was saying this to us today, but you would have none of it, none of it. Instead, we say things like, you snooze, you lose. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or no rest for the weary. But you ask us what we would do with just one extra hour, and the majority of us would say, sleep. Do you know what happens when you type the words, why am I, into a Google search engine? Well, Google has this auto-complete function that helps you finish your thoughts based on the most commonly typed searches. So when you type, why am I, it completes it with, so tired. Why am I so tired? Now, we may be not getting much sleep. We certainly talk about it and post about it and tweet about it a lot. There are nearly 5,000 apps that come up when you search sleep in the Apple App Store, more than 15 million photos that come up under sleep uh, on Instagram, Uh, another uh, 14 million under sleepy, and more than 24 million under tired, all on Instagram. A quick search for sleep on Google will bring up more than 800 million listings for sleep. We are obsessed with sleep. We just don't get enough of it. Over 60% of adults report that they have trouble sleeping. 
Sleep deprivation is now an epidemic in our country and on our world. And some of us might even get so tired that we would even fall asleep during a message at church. Well, we have videos now, and so we uh, captured an example of this. Watch the screen. too good. Some of you were worried just for a second, though. It was going to be you, weren't you? Do you know Americans average 6.8 hours per sleep a night? And that's down a full hour from 50 years ago. Many of us get less than six hours of sleep, about 35% of us. Do you know that two weeks of sleeping six hours a night impacts our bodies the same way that going a full 24 hours without sleep does. It's cumulative. We ignore the realities of creation in our bodies. We try to control sleep with sleeping pills and caffeine, and we force our bodies into an unnatural state. You know, there is a solution. If you get enough sleep without sleep aids, then you're going to find that there's No need for Red Bull or Mountain Dew in the middle of the day to keep you going. Our lack of quality sleep, it has a dramatic 
negative impact on us, body, mind, and soul. Lack of sleep has a major impact on our weight. And people who only get six hours of sleep per night are 23% more likely to be obese. And you get five hours of sleep or less, and that climbs to 50% more likely. Cutting back on sleep is just a fantastic way to gain weight. And you know, gaining weight then adds to your sleep problems. Well, sleep also dramatically impacts our minds. I didn't know this, but I learned that while we sleep, it's like a car wash in our brains to wash away all the toxic waste proteins that build up through the day. The same toxic waste proteins that if they build up will lead to Alzheimer's. When we sleep, they're washed away. And a lack of sleep over time actually leads to an irreversible loss of brain cells. The less we sleep, the faster our brains age. And you can't get that back. There's also a direct relationship between poor sleep and poor memory, and I really can't remember the rest of it. (laughs) Sleep deprivation has been found to have a strong connection to every kind of mental health issue. In depression and anxiety, 80 to 90% of the time, you'll also find a sleep problem. Going without sleep has the same impact on us as being drunk. Being awake for 20 hours has the same cognitive impairment as as a blood alcohol content of 0.08, which would make you legally drunk. Only 20 hours will do that to you. Positively, sleep also impacts us, though. Sleep helps our memory. John Steinbeck wrote, It is a common experience that a problem difficult at night is resolved in the morning after the committee of sleep has worked on it. You've probably said... You're pondering an issue, trying to come up with a decision, and you say, I'm going to sleep on it, right? Well, do you know, sleeping on it when wrestling with a problem is a real thing. It actually works. While we're sleeping, our brains rehearse the information that our minds have flagged as important and resorts our memories. Sleep can help our memory more than cramming through an all-nighter. Sleep is, is as important for our bodies and our health as it is for our minds. Sleep deprivation is linked with increased risk of diabetes, heart, heart attack, stroke, and cancer, and even makes cancer cells spread faster if we have a lack of sleep. In other words, getting enough sleep really is a matter of life and death. But even if sleep deprivation doesn't kill us, it's going to make us dangerously less healthy. We've not discovered a cure for the common cold, but if you don't sleep well, your chances of catching one increase dramatically. When your sleep suffers, you're going to be grouchy, you're not going to be fun to be around, your key relationships are going to suffer, and your productivity is going to decline. All of that is a proven fact. I think the authors of Scripture and God himself knew that this was going to be an issue for us. In Hebrews 4, 1 through 11, the word rest occurs 10 times in 11 verses. I think the writer of Hebrews knew that this was going to be an important issue in our lives and that sleep and rest were critical. An old Irish proverb says, a good laugh and a long sleep are the best cures for anything. You are not healthy unless your sleep is healthy. So here's a question for you. In the Old Testament, When does the day begin? A, sunrise. 
B, when the alarm clock goes off. C, when the alarm clock goes off for the fifth time because I know I can hit the snooze button four times and still not be late. D, when Starbucks opens. Or E, evening. What do you think? It's actually E, evening. In the creation account that we find in Genesis, we read that there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day and so on. What if we were to begin to view the beginning of our days with sunset? See, the Jewish people and and God's people started their day at sunset with a family meal, and then they spent time together as a family and then went to bed, entrusting themselves and the world to God's care while they slept. And then in the morning, they entered into their work days refreshed in every way. A different day, a different way to start our day Then was something called an alarm. We start our day in the evening and then we sleep while God is working through the night. And when we wake, we simply join him in his work. Sleep is a necessity in our lives, but it is also an act of trust. That's why many of us struggle. The psalmist says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. We lie down and sleep trusting that God will take care of us and that he is able to take care of our world and all of our issues while we sleep. And that's hard for some of us to admit and acknowledge because God is the only one who is infinite. The rest of us, we got to live within physical limits. God is the one who never sleeps, not you. And sleep is also a great gift from God. The psalmist says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. That could be a theme verse for many of us. Sleep seems to be the gift that nobody wants. So how do we move from awareness on this issue to action? In Hebrews 4, God invites us to make every effort to enter that rest. And for many of us, one of the most spiritual things that we can do in our lives is to make the effort to get enough sleep. So how do we start practicing sleep as a spiritual discipline? What steps can we take, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you did. First, let's look at how much is enough. How much is enough? So here are some minimum sleep ranges based on different age categories, all right? You can find yourself and your family members there. There is no category, you might note, for a super important busy person, five to seven hours. It's not up there. I looked twice. Our children, we know, need a lot of sleep. But did you know that getting, having your kids get enough sleep actually helps uh, compete against childhood obesity? Each added hour of sleep for a child saw a 7% drop in their BMI. Teenagers, they need sleep, 8 to 10 hours. Do you know the average in our country is 5? Pediatric experts actually recommend that teenagers need to sleep at certain times of the night, as, as many of us do, and we'll show that later. And so they recommend that high schools not start their day prior to 8.30 in the morning. 
They say students who start their day at 8.30 will have an hour more of quality sleep, and they perform better in the classroom and on exams than those who start at 7.30. By the way, Harford County High Schools start at 7.30. One expert from Harvard said asking a teenager to get up at 7 a.m. is like asking adults to get up at 4. College students and young adults need seven to nine hours. Average for college students is also five hours. It's an important issue, friends. Now, don't think that you get off so easy. We also need sleep at all of our age categories. Most of us, 26 to 64, we also need seven to nine hours. You know, successful people in our world know this. Google chairman Eric Schmidt and Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos get at least eight hours. J-Lo and Beyonce get eight hours a night. Jane Fonda credits her appearance and her longevity to sleeping eight to nine hours a night. Athletes LeBron James and Roger Federer average 10 plus hours of sleep a night. Venus Williams, Lindsey Vaughn, and Usain Bolt get at least eight hours of sleep. And listen to this about uh, Golden State Warriors player Andre Iguodala. He improved his sleep habits and his playing time increased 12%. His three-point percentage more than doubled. His free throw percentage increased by 8.9%. His turnovers decreased by 37%, and his fouls dropped by 45%. And the only thing he did differently was change his sleep habits. Friends, to dramatically improve our quality of life, we should begin viewing our lives in three eight-hour segments. Eight hours for work, eight hours for sleep, and eight hours to use however else we need to use it. So here are some good sleep habits for us to focus on and implement in our lives. First, let there be less light. On the first day, God said, let there be light, and then separated light from darkness. And to sleep well, we should follow God's lead. We need to separate light from darkness. Light suppresses the production of melatonin in our bodies. And that's what tells our bodies that it's time to sleep. So let's turn off the lights in our bedrooms, make them a dark space that's going to coax us to sleep. Let there be less light. Number two, your blue lights are killing your sleep. Blue light is the sort given off by our electronic devices, smartphones, computers, televisions, these blue lights suppress melatonin even more than regular lights. And that makes them really bad for our sleep. You should think about blue lights from all these devices as an anti-sleep drug or a stimulant. And you would never imagine taking a stimulant right before you go to bed. And yet, did you know that 71% of us Americans sleep with or right next to our smartphones? It's amazing. So banish all tech devices from your bedrooms at least 30 minutes before you go to bed. For, for your sleep's sake and your body and soul's sake, at least turn them off 30 minutes before you go to bed. I promise you it's going to be okay if you leave your phone in another room while you sleep. But cutting back on your devices, I can tell you this, it's going to be like dealing with an addiction. Have you ever said to someone, I'll just check Facebook for a minute? Or I'm just going to look at Twitter or Instagram for a minute. 
And then 30 minutes or an hour later, you find yourself sucked into the internet black hole. Do you know that dopamine is a chemical in your brain that's all about seeking, searching? And our brains love the slow drip of dopamine. And as you get sucked into the internet or social media, your brain is being led into a dopamine fix, and it just wants to keep going and going and going. And sleep is put off because dopamine keeps us alert and awake. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we need to get rid of our devices. I love my devices. I do. They're truly gifts that add a lot to our lives. It's simply that we need to be more intentional as to their place in our lives so that we control them instead of them controlling us. We really need to find a way to break the addiction. Do you remember these paper things called books? Or maybe if you look even further back, you might remember when people actually talk to each other face to face instead of staring at their screens. We got to find some way to break the addiction because we're killing our sleep with our blue lights. Number three, it's getting hot in here. National Sleep Foundation recommends that we keep our bedrooms cool between 60 and 68 degrees. Most of them say 65 degrees is the target. A cool bedroom environment is a key to getting a good night's sleep. This is something my wife and I have discussed (laughs) at length for years, and I have to confess, she's been telling me for over 30 years that she was glad, and she was glad I finally did this research and proved that she was right. (laughs) And it is true, she wrote all of that into the message. (laughs) But you know, if you even keep a cool room but add seven covers over you, an electric blanket, and dress like you're going out hunting, you're still going to prevent your body from getting the best sleep. So keep it cool. Maybe put socks on so your extremities aren't cold. Keep it cool. You'll get better sleep. Number four, let's get physical because exercise helps us sleep. We sleep better when we make time for regular physical activity in our lives. If you have consistent exercise, 30 minutes, five days a week, It will add 45 minutes of quality sleep to your life. Consistent exercise. And people who exercise regularly fall asleep 55% faster than those of us who don't. All of this just by adding exercise. Not a pill, not a magic trick, just exercise. We're going to look more at that in a couple of weeks. Number five, watch your intake. Watch your intake. Drinking caffeine six hours before bed can decrease our sleep quality by as much as an hour a night. And this is how how the vicious cycle of sleep deprivation gets started. We don't get enough deep sleep because we're drinking caffeine, which makes us more tired, and being more tired makes us want more caffeine, and the extra caffeine is going to make our sleep problems worse, and around and around it goes. So we need to set an unbreakable curfew for our caffeine intake. Some experts say noon, but all say to cut it off at least by 2 p.m. to make sure your body has time to remove most of it from your system before bedtime. Also, since you asked, diet soft drinks will wreak havoc as well. Way worse than regular soft drinks. They can literally break your metabolism. Number six, peaceful reflection and meditation can calm your inner chatter. 
Anybody have inner chatter going on when you're trying to go to sleep? Here's a great quote. My bed is a magical place where I suddenly remember everything I was supposed to do. (laughs) Isn't that true? As soon as our head hits the pillow, we start thinking about when, where, who, why, what, and how of our lives instead of sleeping. So a lot of us can't sleep due to stress, which gives us one more thing to be stressed about. So one practice is to calm our minds, meditate on some truths from God's word. Maybe instead of going through the list of things that need to be done or problems from the day, make a gratitude list. Focus on the day's blessings, how God has blessed you that day. And then express your thanks to God for all that he's done. We need something to help us calm the inner chatter. Number seven, we need to set a bedtime dress code. We need to have special sleeping attire. Now, it's got to be at least something comfortable, something you don't wear for other things except sleep. A lot of us use something called pajamas. Even that word sounds comfy, doesn't it? I mean, just say it with me. Ready? Pajamas. That's just comfy. When you put pajamas on or something comfortable that you only sleep in, something switches in your brain. They are unmistakably sleep clothes. So when you put them on, your brain starts shifting gears, knows it's time to, for the body to shut down and go to sleep. Now, you can't wear the same thing to bed that you're going to wear to the gym because you're sending your brain all kinds of different signals. Something comfortable that you only wear to bed. To bed. We need a bedtime dress code. Number eight, we need to sleep at the right times. It's not just the amount of sleep you get. You can get multiplied benefits by sleeping during the right hours. We get the best quality sleep between 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. This is the money time where you get the most rejuvenating sleep. You may be a person who sleeps from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. And you're getting eight hours of sleep, but you're missing out on most of the money time. Your body, if your body's deprived of the regenerative sleep that happens between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., you're still going to feel fatigued when you wake up in the morning no matter how long you sleep. So think about what you gain with money time sleep instead of what you're missing. And lack of of consistency in when we sleep also impacts our quality of sleep. Irregular sleeping hours, it prevents your brain from locking into a pattern which can create a perpetual state of jet lag. So if you're going to bed at one hour one night and two hours later the next and two hours earlier the next or waking up earlier one day and later the next day, it just throws your your brain off and it's like jet lag. So go to bed around the same time and wake up around the same time every day. And did you know that getting up early actually helps you sleep better at night? The great philosopher Winnie the Pooh said, For early to bed and early to rise will make a bear happy and healthy besides. Number nine, we need to create a sleep sanctuary. Humans are creatures of habit and habitat. Our brains look for patterns to automate behavior, and what you repeatedly do becomes a solid structure in your brain. A regular bedtime ritual will prepare your body for the best sleep possible. It programs your brain and your body clock to the routine, and it says, it's time for sleep. Parents, we know this because we have bedtime rituals for our kids, right? It works the same for us at all ages. 
If your bedroom is a place where random activities take place, like watching television or working, then you're not going to associate your bedroom or your bed with sleep. So make the bedroom for sleep only, with one exception for married couples. Also, second, add fresh air. That might be an open window. It might be an air ionizer, at least a fan. Third, essential oils like jasmine or lavender improve your quality of sleep. And remember what we noted earlier, keep it dark and get those gadgets out of there. Make the bedroom a sanctuary for sleep only. Those are some tips that we can use to improve our quality of sleep, make our bodies and our souls healthier. I'm deeply convicted that this is a real issue for us. Wayne Moeller writes, because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. Poisoned by this hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort, we can never truly rest. And for want of rest, our lives are in danger. There's a story about a South South American tribe who would march for long periods and then suddenly and abruptly they would stop and rest. And so people traveling with them noticed this and they said, so tell us about this pattern. You march forever and then you abruptly stop and rest. And the, the tribe said that they needed the time of rest so that their souls could catch up with their bodies. Do you need to increase your rest and your sleep so that your soul can catch up to your body and both be restored. Pursuing healthy sleep and healthy bodies is what God longs for for us. And God promises us, his people, that his presence will go with us. And he says, I will give you rest. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, we need your help. We need you to help us with our rest and our sleep and with our bodies because it impacts our soul. Help us to live our lives through these bodies in such a way that we worship you. Help us to adjust our lives so that our sleep is a priority the way you designed it to be in our bodies. Help us to calm ourselves, body, mind, and soul. And help us to find our rest in you. Amen.